thank you for all that you're doing here at IFC. What a privilege to open up this amazing book called the Bible. Thank you for making it practical and simple so we can immediately apply it to our lives. Thank you, Father God, for um, opening up our hearts. We sow good seed in our heart today, and we believe it'll produce great fruit for your honor and for your glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is part three, our final part in our series, The God of the Impossible. The God of the Impossible. I believe it's very important that you really um, get this in your heart and believe the fact and, and have a high awareness that you serve a God that does the impossible. I don't know why you're here. You might be here and you're um, doing great. Life is good for you. You're in a good season right now. But there are so many of you that are here that are dealing with all that life's drama has to offer. Your family issues and health issues and financial issues and, and dark thoughts issues and issues in your life that, that, that if we all went around the room, we'd be shocked and surprised to hear of all the challenges that we're all going through. The good news is God cares about every one of those challenges. God cares about the things that overwhelm you. God cares about the things that seem impossible to you, seem like there's no way. How are we going to do this? How are we going to get beyond this? And uh, I, I'm so grateful today that, that I'm, I'm here as your pastor today to help you have a high awareness that you serve a God who specializes in the impossible. I want you to think about that. I want you to use those terms. I want you to say it. I want you to believe it. I want you to be aware of the fact that, yes, it's impossible with man oftentimes, but it's not impossible with God. Amen. We serve a God of the, of the impossible. Let's go to our big takeaway. Our big takeaway this, this morning is from William Booth, who is the founder of the um, Salvation Army. Here's what he said. He said, God loves with a great love the man or woman whose heart is bursting with a passion for the impossible. I want your heart to burst with the passion that you serve a God who does impossible things. That's the kind of God we serve. I believe that when, you, when we hear about it, when we speak about it, when we um, open up our hearts about it, I believe that, that our hearts, like, like William Booth, and like many others, that your heart will burst forth with the knowledge and the understanding of the God that we serve. Let's define some terms as we did last week so that we're all on the same page. Um, Webster's Dictionary defines the term miracle as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Oftentimes we know that we can't do this without divine intervention. We know if there is not some kind of divine intervention that we know that, that life can, can, will continue to be challenging and overwhelming to us. So, so we believe that we serve a God of miracles. And dictionary.com says this about breakthrough, says any significant development that removes a barrier to progress. Have any barriers in your life? Have anything that's slowing up the progress and maybe causing you to not see the progress that you long for in your money or your health or your family situation? It goes on to say, an act of removing any obstruction or restriction. Oftentimes, obstructions and restrictions can be very overwhelming, very disconcerting. And so we are grateful that we serve a God of miracles and a God 
of breakthroughs. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you ready for your breakthrough? Are you ready for your breakthrough? See, so you, you need to know because if you're not ready for it, guess what? It's not going to come. Let's just be honest. Just saying that I'm ready for your breakthrough is not enough. Saying yes is part of it, but I believe that as we said several weeks ago, that this, this new season, as we know the, the challenges of COVID and this COVID wilderness that we've been in, um, we know that, that we're still believing, we're still being challenged, but, but we know as things begin to open up, so our life begins to open up. So this family, the body of Christ, begins to open up. And so our believing, some things that we've been in and stuck in, those things that we've kind of gone around the mulberry bush, if you will, during this season, it's time to see God move in a fresh, new way. Um, we're going to go to 2 Kings today. And, and this message really is about a story in the Bible that is probably one of my favorite Old Testament stories that really speak of how breakthrough happens. We're going to learn some very important truths here about breakthrough through this story. We pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read seven verses, so follow along. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing her jars, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Great portion of scripture. One of the things we need to understand when we read the Bible, this is real life people. This, are, this is a real life drama. This is a real life family issue. When I read God's word, I try to put myself in a situation. Oftentimes we, we know more details. Sometimes you only can imagine some of the details, but this is a real life drama, a very real challenge. And so from this real life dramatic story, I want us to talk about some time-tested principles that are necessary for us to walk in breakthrough. And I believe as you understand these principles, you too will set yourself up for your breakthrough. Here's time-tested principle number one. Know where to go when you don't know what to do. Know where, know where to go when you don't know what to do. Oftentimes when we're overwhelmed, we don't know what to do, do we? Man, we're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed by the news. We're overwhelmed by the challenges, the emotion, the drama. We're overwhelmed by everything. And we don't know necessarily what the next step is. And if we, if we knew, we would do it. But oftentimes, we don't know. Here is a widow woman, a single mom, 
with an impossible situation, with no means of financial support, being threatened by angry bill collectors, and it only gets worse if she doesn't pay up, her sons will be taken as slaves to pay off the money that she owes. The only positive thing going for her here is she knew where to turn. Sometimes that's where the miracle begins. You need to know where to turn. You need to know what the next step is. You might not be able to know all the steps, but there's a first step that needs to take place. She went to where she had obviously gone before. She went to the man of God that was involved in her, in her life. She went to Elisha. And she obviously had gone to Elisha before uh, for, for many other things. And so she goes to Elisha and she had this family relationship with this man of God. See, where we place, where we place our expectations determines whether we receive our breakthrough or not. In the midst of your overwhelming situations, you need to do exactly what it says here. Place your expectations where God can come through for you. Amen. If you expect that there's nothing going to happen, nothing's going to happen. If you go back to man again and try to figure things out that has disappointed you in times before, then you, that's where your expectation is. You have to determine and set your expectations at a different place than where you are because God blesses expectant people. He knows how to take care of you. If we insist on looking to man to continually supply our every need, we are going to be disappointed every single time. Amen. Amen. So God wants to use his great power in helping you. He really does. And it's time to believe that God wants to release his ability in your life as you set your expectation. Amen. Amen. Time test of principle number two is... We can go, go on for that. Number two, realize how limited your human resources are. How many know that's the truth? Man, that's a kind of no-brainer. We know that, that if we had the resources, we wouldn't have the need, right? We're, we're, we're limited in what we can do, limited in our expertise, amount of money or whatever it is, patience or, or whatever it is that we have a limited resource. So we, we realize that. Elisha gives the woman a surprising answer when she says, when she goes to him and tells her, tells him of her plight. He says to her, what can I do for you? But when I read this, I don't read it like I want to help you out. So let me help you. I read it. He kind of has an attitude. Like, what do you want me to do? And that's really the, 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 the attitude that he has. What do you want me to do? And, and that attitude is like, what can I do? I don't have the money to pay this off. I don't have the resources to take care of this. What in the world do you want me to do? It seemed like, you know, he was being rude, but really what he was doing was refusing to let her look to him as his source, Amen. as her source. He knew that he wasn't going to be the source. He knew that, uh, that he could help her and direct her, but he knew that that was not going to be the case. And she was... He needed her to start looking to the Lord for her help. We need to stop looking at people and start looking to the Lord for our help. We really do. We have to make up our minds and quit doing the same thing over and over and over again, thinking we're going to get different results when the Spirit of God is saying to us today, hey, you need to go to where your source of help is. 
You need to put your faith in God. You need to put your faith in his word. Amen. And as Christians, we, we, we seek to touch the hem of Jesus's garment. Amen. And no one else. We recognize that God desires to help us, give us wisdom and understanding. And Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Isn't that good news today? Let me tell you something. Every breakthrough has a path. You might not know what that path is right this moment, but every breakthrough has a path. Every breakthrough has a process. Every breakthrough has a plan. Every breakthrough, God does, want, does not want you to live uh, without your breakthrough. And so he makes a way where there seems to be no way. And he gives you the understanding of what is that way for you. He gives her, this widow woman, an understanding of her path. And Elisha knew he couldn't help her. He had limited resources. So he pointed her to her source of breakthrough. God's wisdom and God's help far surpasses anything I could ever come up with, you could ever come up with, or any other human can come up with. Amen. God's wisdom will be the breakthrough you need. Amen. Thank God for that. So what do we do? We put our trust in him today. So uh, time-tested principle. Another one is number three. Find out what's in your house. Find out what's in your house. Like the needy woman, widow, we get caught up with what we don't have. So when we get caught up with what we don't have, we don't see the possibilities of what we already have. Amen. Oh, you're not hearing me. That's an important statement today. We get so caught up with what we don't have. We get so caught up and overwhelmed by the fact that, man, I don't, I don't have the goods. I don't have the wisdom. I, I, I can't heal myself. I'm overwhelmed. The, the amount of money is too great. My issues with my husband or my wife or my children are so overwhelming and so discouraging. And so we're so caught up in the drama of what we don't have to meet the need that we fail to see the possibilities of what we really do have. Wow. The man of God knew that. He knew she was overwhelmed. She's a widow woman. She doesn't want to be all alone without her sons. How could, how could she be provided for? So she realized that this was desperate. She realized she was overwhelmed. I, I love these boys. I raise these boys. I don't want to see them taken as slaves and, and pay off their, their father's debt um, that he couldn't pay off. So Elisha, after redirecting the widow's faith, asked, what do you have in your house? See, the widow woman didn't need a new vision of her need. She already knew that was overwhelming. What she needed was a new vision of what she had in her house and didn't know it. Just like you don't know the next step. You don't know what's in your house. Now, it wasn't the fact that, that she, she was, you know, just totally, you know, in doubt and unbelief about this whole thing. But let's understand this. She understood that, that the that what she had was not enough. And she knew that in her heart. And because she knew that in her heart, it, she either didn't see it or she didn't respect what she already had. It's the same thing with us. Either we don't see it or we don't respect it. Why? It's just too small. I owe all this money. 
I had this little bit. What can this little do with this big debt? What could my little service or love to my husband or my wife or my children do to the big dysfunction that's going on in our house? This pain in my heart. How can I, how, I don't have the capacity to love him for what he did. I don't have the capacity to love her for what she did. I don't have the capacity to help my children. I'm so overwhelmed in, in my own marriage. How can I help my kids? And you get the point, right? We've all been there. I've been there so overwhelmed that we don't see the possibilities. We don't see how God can do it. What she needed was to recognize what God had already put in her house, which would be the beginning of her miracle. Even though what she had seemed so small. Listen very carefully. God always starts your breakthrough with what you have. Say that with me. God always starts my breakthrough with what I have. Say it with me. Say it again. With what I have. Wow, see, that just changes everything, doesn't it? I never thought about that. I never, neither did she. I never thought about that there might be something in my house, something in my checkbook, something in my, 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 my belongings, something in the gift that I have, something in, in whatever encouragement I could give or helping somebody else or praying for somebody else. There's always something that we have that we're not seeing or respecting and we don't recognize them and it's time to consider what is it that I have that I don't know is the beginning of my miracle. Man, that's good preaching today. If I have to say so myself, amen. Time-tested principle number four, don't get stuck in your head. That's what we all do. When it gets overwhelmed in drama, that's all we see is drama, 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 and our minds are screaming. We're, we're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed by all the negative. We're overwhelmed by all the contradictory circumstances. I need this over here from God, but I'm so overwhelmed by everything that's so different from where I need to be, and we get stuck in our heads. Cares, worries, um, fears, anxieties. You know, up at night, I might lose my house. I might, I might, you know, lose my marriage. I might lose my kids. I might lose my, 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 uh, you know, things that belong to me, my job, my career, my business. So our first reaction to crisis usually is negative. Nothing is good. Everything seems to be overwhelming. There's just no hope. And everything goes from bad to worse. And, and we're worrying and we're fretting about today and tomorrow. And we have the same mind frame, mindset as the widow woman. I have nothing at all. Oh, I do have this little jar of oil. The widow started out negative, but quickly began to realize, wait a minute, maybe there is something to this what man of God is telling me. Maybe there is something to what I can do. And so as you're making this transition from maintaining to miracles, from one season to another, from being stuck to having breakthrough, while you are in this transition, this couldn't be more important that you begin to do your best to get out of your head because once you get out of your head and you begin to realize possibilities, you go from the natural to the supernatural. 
Now suddenly, maybe there is something that can be done. Maybe this God really is a God of the impossible. Maybe there is something that we can do. And, and, and it, I can't tell you when you're believing for your breakthrough how important it is to get out of your head and get down in your heart. The devil wants you stuck in your head. He doesn't want you to hear this today. He doesn't want you to start realizing that if I could just get in my heart where God's word is, where there's peace, where God lives in me, if I could just get in there and, and get away from all the worries and frets. And it's so easy for this widow woman to just simply say, look, I have nothing, period, end of story. You know, Mr. Prophet, what are you gonna do about it? My husband served you. He honored you. We, we gave to your ministry. We, he, he donated time and effort. Now he's dead. You owe me. She could have easily had that kind of attitude, right? Come on, God. Don't you see what I do? I go to church every Sunday. I try to be a good person. You know, I'm a giver. You know, I try to bless people in my neighborhood. I try to do all these good things. And now I find myself, what are you going to do, God? You owe me. Come on, somebody. I, you know, I'm, I'm getting right in your living room today. Right? How many times have we shaked an angry fist at God? Where are you when I need you? Where, how come you didn't come through for me? I thought, yeah, you love me. I believe that you love me. I don't get this. I don't, what's the disconnect? And so we get all stuck up here and we get angry and leave the church or you know, walk away and, and, and just go through all, the, all the, the craziness of it all. It's easy. It's the easiest thing in the world to say I have nothing because when you say I have nothing, you're, you're also saying I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible. It's easy to say to be the blame game. It's easy to blame every man because of what some man did to you. It's easy to blame every manipulating woman because of what they, she did to you. It's easy for, for children to, to blame their parents. They don't get it. Parents are imperfect. They don't get that we, we got issues ourselves. Right? If you don't have issues, you're lying. All good people have issues. Right? <laughs> All good people have issues. Every one of us do. Some of them are more obvious than others. Right? Some of us are in a more free state than somebody else is. But, but we all have issues that we're dealing with. That's, this is real life that we're dealing with here. Right? And when you say, I have nothing, and you point the finger only at God, you're saying, I'm taking all responsibility out of this. There's nothing for me to do. That couldn't be further from the truth. Can God come through for you just by, because he's God? Yes. Absolutely. Amen. He can, he can perform a miracle instantaneously. We know he's able. We know he's willing to do that. But oftentimes, he wants us involved in the process. Because if we're not involved in the process, we don't grow. We become lazy Christians. I'll just have some prophet prophesy over me. I'll just have some miracle service I'll go to. I'll, somebody lay hands on me. Somebody, somebody do it for me. So we become lazy, fat Christians. Right? Lazy, fat Christians. Absolutely. Whiners. You know, wanting everybody else to do something for us and God say, wait, 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 wait. I need you to grow up. I need you to get involved in this process. I need you to come alive. I need you to have some hope. I need you to use your faith. I need you to do something here. I need you to be involved so that we can not be eternal um, you know, babies, immature in our walk with God. And he's insisting to this widow woman, I can do it for you. I'm God, but I don't want you to be back in this place in another month because you didn't use your faith, because you didn't grow up, because you didn't learn what my word has to say. 
Oh my goodness. Amen. Amen. See, faith doesn't deny the present reality. That's not what faith does. People say, well, you're just denying the facts. No, we're not. We, we understand we're sick. We understand we're in trouble. We understand that. We're, we don't live in denial. But faith, while it acknowledges what's going on, we, we also believe God is a God of the impossible. We also acknowledge the fact that I'm in over my head. I don't know how to do this. I don't know where to turn to, but I believe God. But I believe his word. And I believe he's able to do it. The disciples were fishing all night long, right? You know the story, fishing all night long. They're exhausted. This is their business. They have no fish to sell, right? They don't have, they don't, they, they can't fulfill their business. Jesus shows up and says, well, put that on the other side. And so the fishermen are looking at the carpenter and saying, hello, we're fishermen. You're a carpenter. Make your table. We'll fish. They could have had that attitude. Right? Carpenter telling fishermen what to do. They fish on this lake all the time, on the sea all the time. But they said what? Nevertheless, what? At your word, we will let down the nets. And they caught more fish than they knew what to do with. They had to call their partners in to do it, right? So here's Mary. She's a teenager. And, and the Spirit of God, an angel shows up. That's freaky enough. An angel shows up and says, you're pregnant and you're going to have the Son of God. What? I don't know a man. She's overwhelmed. She's like, what in the world is going on? That's true. Then she says, what? She says, let it be done to me according to your word. Right? I know I'm overwhelmed. I know I have no clue. But if you tell me to do this, I'm going to do it. I know I've done this all night long and I do it for a living, but I'm going to put my trust in you. If that's what you say, Lord, I'm going to do it. The widow woman said nothing. I have in my house, but I do have a jar of oil. These statements were made by people who looked at problems square in the face and answered with their faith. Their faith enabled them to see beyond the difficulties and see the possibilities when they put their faith in God. Breakthroughs always begin with faith because it takes faith in God's word to break through the contradictory circumstances. Amen. That's how I break through what doesn't make sense. My faith says I know what it looks like, but I know what God's word says. I choose God's word. Remember my definition of faith? My definition of faith has, for years has been faith is believing God's word is true no matter what any other information source may reveal. That's how faith works. I know there's a lot of information sources attacking you right now. I get it. Thank you for being in church today. Thank you for joining us online today. But your faith in God's word overrides no matter what the information source may reveal. Amen. Amen. Thank God for this. Now, time-tested principle number five. Just a couple more. Action is required. Action is required. See, here's where the responsibility part comes in. You see, diagnosis is no cure, although it's a first step towards health, right? There's follow-up treatment. There's things you have to do. Maybe there's prescriptions you need to take three times a day. Go back to the doctor, have blood tests, whatever. So I can tell you what the problem is today, but I need to give you the solution. What's the prescription? How do we get out of this? Amen. Elisha told the woman, if you want your circumstances to change, you must take some action. So he told her, go out 
and borrow empty vessels from all your friends and neighbors. You can imagine how silly that looked, right? How every neighbor thought, what, you want? There's nothing in these vessels. I know, I know. We're just following the man of God, what he said to do. So they, they, they went forward because remember, um, two-thirds of God's name is what? Go. There's always go in the gospel. There's action involved. She had to get active if she wanted to experience her breakthrough. And you need to be active to experience your breakthrough. Amen. Amen. Most people want God to act on their behalf, but first they must act by faith on their own behalf. Amen. Amen. We can't be sitting around waiting for God because the truth is God is waiting on us. You're angry, shaking an angry fist at God and God's saying, I love you, bro. I'm waiting on you. Your move. It's your move. I've done all that I'm going to do. Jesus sat down after when he went to heaven, not because he was tired. He sat down at the right hand of the Father because it was all finished. It was done. Everything necessary for your breakthrough has already been accomplished. Everything. You need to know that. Everything has been already done. Now God sits back and says, okay, are you going to activate it? Are you going to activate your faith? What are you going to do? Amen. Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Because they failed to take action on God's instructions and they refused to move forward. And so they went in circles for 40 years. And that's how we are. When we refuse or don't know or could care less about God's instructions, we wander ourselves. Amen. Every supernatural victory won by Israel or any one of our lives in this room started because of a corresponding action that we put feet to our faith. I remember years ago when we were a brand new church and we were renting everybody else's facilities. We were remodeling buildings that didn't belong to us. And for 13 years, we rented. And I was frustrated by this process. We wanted our own home. And then I have a pastor friend call and say, we got a miracle, you know, we got our building. And I think, God, wait a minute. I'm better looking than they are. I can preach better than they can. What in the world's going on here? How come we don't have our building? And one by one, I began to realize, man, I was, compl- I was doing the wrong thing. And I finally got an understanding. What I needed to do was I needed to sow some seed. Next time I got a letter in the mail about somebody's building um, dedication, guess what I did? I went with check in hand. I said, Lord, I don't have mine yet, but I'm going to rejoice with his. And I went rejoicing to that meeting and put that check in the mail. I even put that check in the plate. And then somebody else came and got another letter. Guess what I did? I didn't complain about not having one. I took that check. We put another check in their building fund. And the Lord started showing me, he says, you're in line. Every time you give, you take another step forward. Every time you give, you keep the vision in front of you. Every time you give, you take another step forward. Every time you give, every time you rejoice, Amen. You've been a bridesmaid seven times, and every time you hear that one of your girlfriends are getting married, you better rejoice. You better rejoice. Why? Because you're going to take one step closer to your day. Amen. Every time somebody buys a house and you're stuck in your studio apartment and you can't stand where you live, amen, you can complain about it if you want to. And the Lord showed me that every time I complain, I'm in this line. Every time I complain, guess what I have to do? (laughs) 
I got to go to the back of the line. I got to start the process all over again. And I realize I'm not stupid. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to sow my seed and rejoice. And one step further, one step further, and one step further. And that's how we are here in this amazing building, right? Paid in full with no mortgage, praise God. Why? Because we have some action to our faith. Amen. And you need to learn how to rejoice and quit complaining and keep your big mouth shut. You're hurting yourself. You make progress and you got to go back to the line. You make progress, you got to go back to the line. And you're blaming God and it's your own big mouth. I, I know firsthand. All right, I'm having too much fun here. We got to shut this down. Number six, shut the door to doubt. That's why the man of God said to her, get all the, your vessels you and your sons close the door. Why? Because you know the neighbors are now watching. I'm sure she got a crowd of people. What are you doing with all those empty vessels in your house? You got to think people are like, what a woman's lost her mind. Shut the door. We have to shut the door to doubt. We have to shut the door because there's all kind of people that'll be the wet blankets to your faith. Put out your fire. All the naysayers. What are you doing trusting God? What are you doing going to that crazy church? What are you listening to that little Italian guy for? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Amen. The key factor in your breakthrough is to make sure that you understand that you have to shut the door to doubt. Amen. There's always going to be people that say, we tried that before and it didn't work. It, we can't afford it. And the fact that many breakthroughs are stillborn because doubt was invited into the delivery room. I heard that in my heart one day. That many breakthroughs are stillborn because doubt was invited to the delivery room. Seeds of doubt have no entrance into the mind full of faith and your heart must be flooded with light. Amen. Shut the door to doubt. And finally, last but not least, remember, there'll always be more than enough. Remember, there will always be enough. One of the most comforting principles in this great story about Elisha, when he told the widow woman, you and your sons can live on what is left over. So she got all the jars of oil, and guess what she started to do? The same people that had those oils, obviously there was an oil shortage in this town. There wasn't a money shortage. So they, what? She sold this oil to the neighbors. All the money that she gathered, see, God knows how to take care of you. This miracle was not just for the widow woman and her two sons. This miracle was contagious and it affected the entire town. All the money that she gathered, she paid off the creditors. And you got to know, because God's more than enough, there was a good chunk left over for her to take care of her sons and herself from that time forward. Amen. One act of obedience not only blessed one desperate family, but also a desperate town. From a crazy woman who lost her mind to a hero of the town. God is so good. Amen. The miracle is in your house. The miracle is in your house. And I pray today that you'll start looking at your own resources very differently today. Amen. Maybe it is something so small, but it's something you can give away, something you can sow. I remember a minister friend who is, is, is a, has an amazing ministry today. 
He was so broke, he had nothing to give in the offering. The only thing he had to, to give in the offering was a pencil they gave him to fill out his visitor card. He put it in the offering. He gave something. A minister that I know had nothing, cut a, cut a, a button off his suit and put it in the offering. You might think that's silly, but that was their step of faith. That was something that they gave, something that they knew, amen, that I don't have anything, but I can give what I have. God always starts your breakthrough with what you have. Amen. What do you have? Begin to realize, begin to ask God, God, what is it that I have? An act of service, a, a, a card of encouragement, a phone call. Whatever it might be, something practical, something simple, your season of maintaining, your season of just enough, your season of being stuck is over. It's a new season. It's a new day. God so wants to come through for you in a powerful way. Amen. And you need to recognize it's time to respect whatever it is in your house, as little as it is. Whatever little act of love or service you can do on the job or whatever's happening in your neighborhood, you can do it and watch what God will do. It'll be the beginning of your breakthrough because God knows how to do it because he's a God of the impossible. Hallelujah. Yes, he is. He's the God of the impossible. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning.